space travel that the whole world was so anxious to have. No one knew where they came from or how they got to Earth. They just started wading out of the seas one day, not all that different from a washed-up Cuban. Just more wet-back aliens, as the joke went. They were very open about being exiles with no means of returning home. They arrived gradually, in groups of three and four, but of the ships that brought them there was never any sign, and the Skoags weren't saying anything. That didn't stop any of the big government people from hoping, though. Hoping that if we were real nice to them, they might drop a hint or two about interstellar drives or something. So the Skoags got the government-subsidised housing, with showers that worked and heat lamps and carpeted floors and spratulated walls. The Federal Budget Control Bill said that funds could be reapportioned, but the budget could not be increased. So folks like my mum and I took a giant step downwards in the housing arena. But as a little kid, all I understood was that our place was cold most of the time, and everyone in the neighbourhood hated Skoags. I don't think it really bothered Mum. She wasn't home that much anyway. She'd bitch about it sometimes when she brought a bunch of her friends home to jam and smoke and eat. It was always the same scene. Party time. She'd come in with a bunch of them, hyped on the music like she always was. Stoned, maybe, too. They'd be carrying instruments and six packs of beer, sometimes a brown bag of cheap groceries, salami and cheese and crackers or yoghurt and rice cakes and tofu. They'd set the groceries and beer out on the table and start doodling around with their instruments while my mum would say stuff like, Damn, look at this dump. That damn landlord, he still hasn't been around. Billy, didn't the landlord come by today? No? Shit, man. That jerk's been promising to fix this place for a year now. Damn. Everyone would tell her not to sweat it. Hell, their places were just as bad. All landlords were arseholes anyway. Usually, someone would get onto the Skoag thing, how it was a fine thing the government could take care of alien refugee trash but wouldn't give its own citizens a break on rent. If there'd been a lot of Skoags at the cafe that night, Mum and her friends would get into how Skoags thought they were such hot shit, synthesising music from their greasy hides. I remember one kid who really got worked up telling everyone that they'd come to Earth to steal our music. According to him, the government knew it and didn't care. He said there was even a secret treaty that would give the Skoags free use of all copyrighted music in the US if they would give us blueprints of their ships. No one paid much attention to him. Later that evening, when he was really stoned, he came and sat on the floor by my sofa and cried. He told me that he was a really great musician, except that he couldn't afford a good synthesizer to compose on, while those damn Skoags could just puff out their skins and make every sound anybody had ever heard. He leaned real close and told me that the real danger was that the Skoags would make up all the good music before he even got a chance to try. Which I knew was dumb. While Skoags can play anything they've ever heard perfectly, no one had ever heard them playing anything original. No one had ever heard them play Skoag music, only ours. I started to tell him, but he passed out on the floor by my sofa. Everyone ignored him. They were into the food and the beer and the music. All my mum's parties were like that. I'd usually curl up on one end of the sofa, face to the cushions and try to sleep. Sometimes with a couple necking at the other end of the sofa and two or three musicians in the kitchen endlessly rehearsing the same few bars of a song I'd never heard before and would never hear again. That's what Mum was really into, struggling musicians who were performing their own stuff in the little play-for-tips places. She'd latch on to some guy and keep him with her aid check. 
She'd watch over him like he was gold, go with him every day, sit by him on the sidewalk while he played if he were a street musician, or take a table near the band if he was working cafes and clubs. They'd come home late and sleep late, and then get up and go out again. Sometimes I come in from school and find them sitting at the kitchen table, talking. It's funny. The men always look the same, eyes like starved dogs, and it seems like my mum would always be saying the same thing. Don't give up. You've got a real talent. Someday you'll make it and you'll look back at them and laugh. You've really got it, Lenny. Or Bobby or Pete or Lance. I know it. I can feel it. I can hear it. You're going to be big one day. The funny part is, she was always right. Those guys would live with us for a few months or a year. And suddenly, out of the blue, their careers would take off. They'd be discovered on a sidewalk or in a cafe or picked up by a band on its way up.